Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, coming off of Fastlane, Cody Rhodes has gold and Technically, Jade Cargill has made her WWE debut. Will CM Punk be joining Jade soon? My wild speculation maybe becomes a spoiler again. And NXT is doing the unthinkable as competition with Dynamite goes head-to-head once more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. What a time to be alive. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. These are always fun coming off pay-per-views, which seems like they're most weeks at this point, honestly. Oh my God, welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. And I we've got to, for yeet, okay, yeet, yeet. Yeet. Let's start with a yeet. I am so happy that the yeet word has made its way into sports entertainment. Yeet is the primary way I've been communicating with my children for the better part of three months. And now we saw a little glimpse of it. Jimmy Uso yeeted the WWE social media camera crew for Instagram, uh, I don't know, a week or two ago. But my God, if you were not already charmed by Jey Uso walking into that fast lane press conference, at first I was like, man, Jey Uso is doing such great character work. Obviously, the story that we're being told is that is that Jey is, is so close with Cody. Cody being the one guy on Raw that believes in Jey Uso. Jey is his best friend. And, we're, and then Cody was like, yeah, we, no, we were drinking on the bus. I said, okay, that explains it. Maybe, maybe, maybe sometimes I got to turn off the analytical part of my brain and just realize that sometimes things are what they are. And Jey Uso legitimately celebrated after winning back the WWE undisputed tag team championship and is now yeeting a room full of the wrestling media. That's what's happening. And we're here for it because not only does it result in Cody Rhodes yeeting, because that's how you know you've got good energy. And I've never experienced this. Well, maybe a little bit. You know, that guy from the from the NBA, he said he was watching the product. That's my yeet. Watch the product. And you can talk to gimmick attorney. Try to use watch the product. Try to commercialize it. It's owned. It's purchased. It's trademarked. 
but maybe that's my yeet, right? The same way you get around Jey Uso and you just want to be like him. Cody Rhodes is going, oh, and, and yeeting. I'm at home. It's midnight. I'm sitting on the couch going, oh. Triple H. Triple H. The number one dude creatively in charge of the WWE when he gets to go and say business is at an all-time high starts by yeeting because Jey Uso's, pleasant Jey Uso's energy is so contagious. That's how you know you're cool. Well, you also know you're cool in our world of sports entertainment by uh, walking around with uh, two big championship titles on either shoulder. And while Jay was yeeting a room full of media, he was also doing everything that he could to keep those titles on his shoulder, but they should be familiar. Fast lane, Jay Uso, I guess, I think, became, at least for this iteration, the first ever two-time WWE Undisputed Tag Team Champion. And I say I guess because, you know, I I, I, I don't know the lineage that that you would you would credit it all to, but at least in the in the straight ahead version that we've got where this is the Raw Tag Team Championship and the SmackDown Tag Team Championship combined. The Usos were the ones that combined it. They held that title for a very long time. But and now and now that's the same title that Jay finally has back, making Jay the first ever person to hold the tag team championship twice since the Usos combined them. Now, I don't think we realized at the time, right? It was almost like an eye roll from a lot of people when the Usos combined those titles. It was it was in that era of people being confused as to why Roman needed all those belts. Some people are still confused as to why Roman needs all those belts. I think Roman needs more belts. But it was almost like they were just adding uh, awards to the bloodline just for the sake of adding awards. But realistically... And this is why we can't make rash decisions based on the storytelling that we've been getting in the last, I don't know, I would kind of say since WrestleMania 38. I think WrestleMania 38 was a turning point. Triple H took over as the guy making the vast majority of the creative decisions. Not long after that, right, by SummerSlam, after WrestleMania 38, that was Triple H's first pay-per-view. And it's only gotten better and better and better to the point where really since WrestleMania 39, creatively, there hasn't been that overall dip. There might've been dips. Like some people are like, I don't know, I'm kind of wearing thin on the bloodline story. And that's okay. You know, I think that the, the bloodline story right now is designed to have this dip as I've talked about. But in terms of the overall product, and the overall WWE product being hot, creatively, it hasn't lost much since WrestleMania. And WrestleMania, it went in a fireball with Sami Zayn, with Cody Rhodes, with all this stuff happening. And they still, the good guys are getting cheered like crazy. The bad guys are getting booed like crazy. And arenas are selling out of tickets. I don't know what else you could possibly want. So, and you look at the tag division specifically. And you look at what combining the tag team championship has done. Look at who the champions have been since the titles were combined, right? You've got the Usos. And this is not any Usos. This is peak Usos. This is bloodline Usos. This is Usos that are so good, they're redefining what it means 
to be the best WWE tag team. So you've got the Usos. They lose the titles to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, two main event babyfaces, two guys that have main evented pay-per-views in title matches, Kevin Owens being a former Universal Champion himself. Who do they lose the titles to? The Judgment Day, Finn Balor and Damian Priest, two main event single stars that have main evented shows. You got one guy who's got the money in the bank briefcase, who people are just assuming it's a matter of time before he becomes the world heavyweight champion. And you've got another guy who's not only been in title matches, but again, former universal champion, the first universal champion, a guy who has a pinfall victory over Roman Reigns and Finn Balor. Who do those guys lose the titles to? The current champions. Main event, Jey Uso, who just main evented SummerSlam with Roman Reigns. And Cody Rhodes, who main evented WrestleMania with Roman Reigns. So you've got, I, I feel like when all is said and done, the tag team championship has become only behind Roman's undisputed WWE Universal Championship. I would argue the tag team championship is the second most coveted championship in WWE. When you look at the level of people that have had it, and you look at the fact that there, aside from this one brief period where you had the Judgment Day in, and it's so, you know, what's great about this era in terms of storytelling is that everything makes sense, but we're not reinventing the wheel at all. If you look at what's going on, you know, with all the factions, it screams faction warfare. It's exactly what we saw in 1997, 1998, when we had, you know, the, the Disciples of Apocalypse and Los Boricuas and Nation of Domination and Heart Foundation and Degeneration X, and it all worked then and it all works now. New World Order, Four Horsemen, all worked then, all works now. When you go, well, you know, it was a shock that the Judgment Day lost the Tag Team Championship. And yes, I mean, I think that it's a device to get Priest to the world title. But it's also as old school as old school gets. How do you get the WWE Tag Team Championship from one top-tier babyface team to the next top-tier babyface team? You have transitional heel champions. You can headline shows, and you did with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn defending those titles. But you want to put it on a new team that can headline shows. Any live event in the country, Jey Uso and Cody Rhodes can go on on top. How do you get it on them? You don't do babyface versus babyface. You have the Iron Sheik. You have Ivan Koloff. For as long as time has existed, those credible heels have been there to have short title reigns that lead to the next significant title reign. WrestleMania until now, or last month, right? So, you know, April to September is a significant title reign for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. A heel takes the title. Now we start with Cody and Jey Uso for what I would assume will be a significant title reign. This is amazing. It, it's, it's just logical, old-school wrestling, and it's progressive storytelling, meaning the story is progressing. Uh, you know, whether it's, okay, now does does Jey Uso, is he more endeared in the Raw locker room or is Cody in trouble? Is the fact that the Raw locker room doesn't like Jey Uso and Cody is now holding a title with Jey Uso, does that make things complicated for Cody? 
It certainly elevates where Jey Uso is, and it gets Jey Uso, just like that, logically back on SmackDown. So you can have Cody, and it puts Cody back on SmackDown. So with everybody going, well, they said that there is eventually going to be a trade to SmackDown from Raw because Raw got Jey Uso. It doesn't need to be Cody anymore because as long as Cody and Jay are the tag champions, they can be on both shows. As that precedent has been set, KO and Sammy were on both shows. The Judgment Day were on both shows. Now, Cody and Jay are going to be on both shows. And with Roman coming back, you're going to want SmackDown to be babyface heavy. Now we've got it. Do Sammy and KO want those titles back? We know KO doesn't like Jay. I don't know. There's a lot to go. There's a lot to go with, and it answers that question that a lot of people had. What are you going to do with Cody Rhodes? A lot of people asked after Cody lost to Roman Reigns, and then he had his series with Brock Lesnar. It's like, what do you do with Cody now? He's had his war with Roman. Didn't win that one. He's had his war with Brock. He won that one before Roman. He won the Royal Rumble, and he won a war with Seth. So it's like if Seth is checked off the list, if Royal Rumble is checked off the list, if Brock Lesnar is checked off the list and Roman is just somebody that we're not going back to because you already lost to him, what else is there to do? Well, since the tag team championship has been elevated as high as it has, Cody wins the tag team championship and it doesn't come across like a consolation prize the way the world heavyweight title would. Cody had a whole story going into WrestleMania about how he needed the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship to have the title that his father never had. If he won the world heavyweight championship, all it would do is highlight that that is not the WWE title. That is not the title that Cody wants. So it wouldn't do anything for the title. It wouldn't do anything for Cody. But the tag team championship, hello, it's genius. I love every bit of it. And it's already... This whole move, it's just so crazy when everything works. This whole move is uh, is great for Jey Uso, too. I think that that even in this, at SummerSlam, people saw Jey as a main event superstar in the context of Roman Reigns. Coming off of SummerSlam on SmackDown, people saw Jey as a main event superstar in the context of the bloodline. Now on Raw... Jay is actually becoming a main event act. And it is it is really, really cool to see. Uh, speaking of factions, we're talking about faction warfare, the LWO, Carlito returns. Um, I'm interested to see what happens there, right? There were rumors of Carlito returning ever since Backlash. Uh, I think a lot of people thought that it might be Dragon Lee that was gonna pop up in the six-man tag with the LWO. But when Ray said... He needed to make a call, and out comes Carlito. Now, I don't understand why we're changing Carlito's music. What are we doing? I just talked about, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I speak to the face of people who don't want to be cool. Carlito, Carlito. Like, his music's great. Why change it? I hope they go back to it. I'm happy to see him back, but I hope they go back to it. And the fact is, thanks to Carlito, Rey Mysterio has kept the single most impressive streak in the WWE today alive. WWE is known for its streaks. The Undertaker's WrestleMania streak. Roman Reigns streak as not being pinned as long as he's been universal champion. Both of those streaks are over. Tatanka's undefeated streak. Ludwig Borga ended that one in a hurry. That one's over. 
You know what streak isn't over? The streak that to me is just as, if not more impressive than any of those because it hasn't been broken. Rey Mysterio's streak of winning sponsored matches. You put a sponsor logo, people go like this. Isn't it a little much to have a big sponsor logo all the way around, around the ring? No, two reasons. Number one, cash. Number two, creative. Rey Mysterio is undefeated in sponsored matches. And I hope that Michael Cole brings this to the forefront. He's unbeatable when there's a logo plastered on the side of the ring. Nobody can stop him. WrestleMania, arguably, arguably, in hindsight, the best match of both nights. Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio. Rey Mysterio is able to beat Dirty Dom, and not many people can beat Dirty Dom. That's why he's got a title. How did Rey beat Dirty Dom? Because the ring was bright blue and there was a giant piece of Cinnamon Toast Crunch dancing as he came to the ring. It was a Cinnamon Toast Crunch match a month ago, I wanted to say. How does he beat Austin Theory? How Austin Theory? To, to borrow Leo Rush's catchphrase, a 23, 24-year-old piece of gold. Austin Theory with all the potential in the world. Coming off of a victory over John Cena at WrestleMania. How does Rey Mysterio beat Austin Theory? Easy. Cinnamon Toast Crunch is plastered all over the ring. Everywhere you look, you're looking for something crunchy, sweet, and cinnamony. But there it is. Last night, or two nights, whatever it was. Fast lane. You've got the LWO is just two members, two members in there against Dawkins, one of the most underrated performers in the entire WWE. Love Dawkins. Montez Ford, a guy that people look at as a potential future main eventer. And Bobby Lashley, a former world champion, legit ass kicker, legend of two different eras. With the numbers down, thank goodness Carlito came out, but realistically, how did Rey Mysterio pull this off? Easy. Pizza Hut boxes all over the ring. Xavier Woods delivering pizzas to Michael Cole and Corey Graves. Sponsored match. Nobody beats Rey Mysterio Jr. or Rey Mysterio in general in a sponsored match. So congratulations to Rey Mysterio for keeping the streak alive and, and, and understanding that if you've got some outside resources being put into a match, that spells a W for Rey Mysterio. Uh... I think um, LA Knight had an incredible night. So it's interesting. There was a time when somebody organically got over before the company was really ready to put somebody over or even if they weren't planning on making them a huge star that you would watch and it would be really inorganic and frustrating because as you were watching, if you had an educated eye or you just watched the product on a regular basis as is rule number one, you could tell that they were working against getting them over, that they were doing things to kind of be like, okay, guys, stop cheering this superstar so much. We'd like you to cheer that superstar. In this new era, it really seems like they're responding to it. And they're going, like for LA Knight specifically, for LA Knight, the way I've observed it is WWE is going, okay, all right. If you're going to cheer for this guy, we're going to go step by step. And we're going to make sure that step by step, it's all working. We're going to take our sweet time. Triple H said in the uh, payback, uh, in the Fastlane press conference, 
he said one thing he is is patient. He doesn't mind taking his time with stuff. And I think that's evident in LA night. And that's something that people also need to give credence to and realize. There was a time in WWE where if something wasn't happening, you get annoyed because that meant it wasn't happening. Now, in this era, if something isn't happening, give it a second because things happen. I think that's why the LA Knight babyface turn took so long. Why LA Knight didn't win the United States Championship. Why LA Knight, there's no hot shotting with LA Knight. It was like, okay, we're going to give you the SummerSlam Battle Royal. Let's see what the reaction's like. Yay. Okay. All right. We're going to turn you babyface slowly. Okay. We're just going to have you work The Miz. The Miz is like, he's the top of the top in terms of guys that you put in there to test other guys. Miz is the heel to go, okay, if you can't get cheers with The Miz, you're not going to get cheers. And I believe that if LA Knight had gone cold in his matches with The Miz, that would have been the end of LA Knight. But it wasn't because he didn't go cold. He was in promo battles with The Miz. The Miz brought his A game and the fans stayed with LA Knight. Yeah. So they go, okay. Then we're going to keep it moving. They go to payback and they have uh, LA Knight in a match that not only is he winning, but now John Cena is getting in the ring as a referee. And it was unannounced. And, and we want to see what the reaction is like when LA Knight and John Cena are together. Okay. People are accepting it. And people are accepting LA Knight as a top tier good guy now. Okay, it's still working. So last night, I think was a huge test. Last night was a, a huge test, or this weekend. Fastlane. Fastlane was a huge test for LA Knight. Because Fastlane was, how does his star shine next to the biggest spotlight the industry has? How does L.A. Knight look next to John Cena? And when L.A. Knight and John Cena stood in that ring together, they chanted L.A. Knight. And L.A. Knight did something real subtle at the end of that match. After they beat Solo and Jimmy, which I think was absolutely the way to go, uh, as I said before, not wild speculation anymore. It's a spoiler. Literally, that match was exactly as I said it would be a month ago. I told you what was going to happen. So, LA Knight, John Cena went to raise LA Knight's hand and LA Knight took it away. He raised John Cena's hand. What that does is, yes, they said it in the press conference, it's LA Knight going, no, I'm just showing that I respect John Cena. Sure. But really, what it's showing is that LA Knight is the person in pole position in that ring. That's LA Knight's ring, and it's up to him to raise someone's arm, not someone else to raise his arm. It's the same way he hesitated with the handshake with John Cena. LA Knight is very smart as a performer. He does not want to be looked at as a kid that John Cena is putting his stamp of approval on. He wants to be looked at as as big, if not bigger, in today's era than John Cena, and he wants to be looked at as someone that's putting his stamp on John Cena. And he tried it last night, and it succeeded. It worked. He tried it at Fastlane, and it worked. He raised John Cena's hand, and now they're cheering for John Cena, not just because they like John Cena, but because L.A. Knight said, he's my guy. Yeah. 
and it worked. Good for LA Knight. I'm happy for him. I love the uh, people people who say that the bloodline story is not happening or it's losing steam or whatever aren't paying attention to the details. If you think that the bloodline story is over, you are not paying attention to what is happening in front of your face. Roman hasn't been on TV, and while he's been gone, the work is being done to make Jey Uso a legit main eventer, to make LA Knight a main eventer, to like to, to, to just rise more ships while Roman Reigns is gone. But the reality is, so much foundation is being laid for the next chapter in the bloodline story. Jimmy Uso and, and Michael Cole, if you want to see great work, if you want an example of great work, go to Fastlane and listen to what Michael Cole is saying about members of the bloodline at ringside. Listen to Michael Cole, the way he's describing Jimmy Uso as trying to weasel his way back into the bloodline. This is who Jimmy Uso is. This is the character that we're seeing. He's sending, Michael Cole is sending the cues to be like, see, this. these are the seeds that are being planted here. That Jimmy Uso lost confidence in his own vision of taking out Roman Reigns. He saw Jay doing better than he was. He stopped Jay from beating Roman, and now he's trying to weasel his way back into the bloodline. But the key, I've been watching this show, and I've been saying, it's interesting that Paul Heyman, like there were a couple of smackdowns in media, like like the bump he did. Paul Heyman is a genius. I see him, he's, he does the bump, he's on SmackDown, and he didn't shave. Like you could see him. He he didn't he didn't have a beard or anything, but it was like two, three, four days of growth. Like the type of shaving that like like you could kind of walk around that way, but you wouldn't go on television like that. And certainly Paul Heyman wouldn't go on television like that. And then a few weeks ago, I noticed that he stopped putting his hair dye in. That if you looked, he used to have jet black hair and all these gray roots start popping up over here to the point where we get to Fastlane and it's all the way white, right? He's let it grow all the way out. And I go, huh, Paul Heyman's trying something new. And Michael Cole says, Paul Heyman looks like he's aged 20 years since Roman Reigns has been gone. And I go, oh my God, that's it. That's it. That's what Paul's been doing. Paul stopped dyeing his hair and at various times has let his stubble grow out because he wants to look disheveled. He wants to look like things are falling apart. He wants you to think that things are falling apart within the bloodline. But don't for a second believe that by the time we get to WrestleMania 40, Roman Reigns won't be right back as the epicenter of the entire industry. Of course that's what's gonna happen. They've got two nights in a football stadium with the headline being Roman Reigns and whoever he's facing. Roman Reigns is going to be the top guy by the time you get to WrestleMania. And I think that this week on SmackDown with Roman returning, this is where we're going to see, okay, this is, this is the beginning of whatever that next chapter is going to be that is slowly going to take us all the way to WrestleMania and to whoever 
Roman faces at WrestleMania because startlingly enough, up until a month or two ago, it was like, well, yeah, it'll be Cody. Now? No. Nah, I don't know. Could be. There's a whole list of names, though, that it could possibly be, and, and that list keeps on growing. And then, I mean, Paul Heyman calling Roman Reigns from the aisleway. Like, he has the match just finished. He's not even back in the locker room, and he's already on the phone with presumably Roman Reigns on his iPhone whatever that only has two cameras on it. Hilarious. Awesome. Great storytelling. Uh, I love, love, love all the little details that are being dripped in to the bloodline right now and the fact that John Cena did real ring time. You know, I I, I think that, that this was a big workout for John Cena and John deciding to test himself, but that was uh, that was really, really cool. Uh, of course, the, match, uh, the night ended at Fastlane with Seth Rollins uh, retaining his championship against Shinsuke Nakamura. Shinsuke's been doing great work the last 60 days. Last month, I would have wanted Shinsuke to win the title. This month, I wasn't really feeling it. Uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if Damian Priest, as I think a lot of people ended up calling after Damian Priest lost the title, tag title. Uh, I wouldn't have been surprised to see Damian Priest come in and take the title from Seth. It didn't happen. They ended with a big baby face. They're doing everything they can to really make Seth the guy. But I don't know, man. I, I really think that with as much sort of richness as is in the show right now, character-wise, and when I say the show, I mean Raw, SmackDown, NXT, I mean WWE, I, I, I think Seth needs a lot more depth. I think Seth is, is one of, if not the best performers on the roster. If you tell me that, if you ask me the question, who's going to beat Roman Reigns finally? Cody is an answer, but Seth is just as, as good of an answer as Cody. But he needs a story that is more than, I'm a fighting champion. And honestly, you know, the story of his back injury, while it's compelling and it made Nakamura a good heel, it's not that much more than he's a fighting champion. Now he's a fighting champion with a bad back that makes him an even more fighting champion. But you have, I mean, this is why I didn't think it would have been a good idea for Cody to win the championship. Because once Cody wins, it's like, okay, but now what? And I feel like Seth is in that position. Like, from the beginning of the World Heavyweight Title Tournament, it was like Seth's like, I'm going to win the title to be the fighting champion. And people were like, yeah, I guess he will. And then he did, and it's like, okay, so he's just, he is fighting a lot. That is true. We are getting a lot of title matches. But if I were going to have one of the titles on WWE television be passed around more, it would be the World Heavyweight title. Multiple champions will give that title an identity. And right now, it was a title that was kind of just created out of the blue. Seth won it, and that's the story of the title, and that's the story of Seth. And hopefully, I think, you know, I think things are going to go a long way eventually when Damian Priest cashes in. Uh, I, I think there are plenty of people you could build a story out with Seth. Uh, so hopefully that happens, because I'd like to see it. You know, I'd like to, because Seth is so good. But also... I get it, you know, being patient with it. The idea that, well, you know, we've told you he's got a bad back. You know it's coming. You know at some point the back is going to be too much for him. And when it does, that'll be the big payoff. And and 
the payoff is surely coming. We got a little bit of payoff on the pre-show. Jade Cargill showing up. Now, I had no idea. I guess it makes sense the way she travels. Jade Cargill, when she's just driving and or when she's just going to shows, she doesn't wear pants. She dresses like an alien with no pants on. She wears antennas and everything. She had the most elaborate ring gear for somebody that was not going to the ring that I've ever seen in my life. However, she looked like a star. She looked like a big time star. And it's interesting. You know, I, I kind of feel like the story that you're going to have to tell with Jade is the fact that she is getting such preferential treatment above everyone else, right? What's the flip side of the fact that she's being made to look like a superstar? The fact that everybody else had to work their ass off and Triple H is rolling out the red carpet for her. I think that that you kind of have to tell that story in reverse. You kind of have to allow that to focus on the people that are scratched and clawed and don't get to walk out of a car in full gear just to watch the show backstage and have Triple H like fawning over her and have Michael Cole fawning over her. And, have, you know, I, I, I think I think there's a lot of cool stuff you could do, but it was a moment, man. It was a moment. You already saw it to see Jade Cargill walk onto screen, to see her embraced by Triple H. It was awesome. And I, I, I just I, I can't wait to see how it plays out. But clearly, as I said two weeks ago, this isn't a situation where she's going to be on NXT and eventually work her way up to the main roster. As I said two weeks ago, I think the move to make with Jade Cargill is to get her tuned up as quickly as possible because you want her in a high-profile match at WrestleMania. You want Jade Cargill's first great match to be at WrestleMania 40 against one of the champions, or not even a champion. doesn't even have to be a title match. You could just have it be the uh, Becky versus Jade, Charlotte versus Jade, the first massive Jade Cargill match and the first great Jade Cargill match in WWE should happen at WrestleMania 40, and I hope it does. Now, there's a lot of questions about what's going to happen at WrestleMania 40 because this week in CM Punk, you thought the segment was going to die, didn't you? You keep going, well, that's going to be the last this week in CM Punk. That's going to be the last this week in CM Punk. This week in CM Punk is a Not Sam Wrestling Forever segment. How long are you going to do CM this week in CM Punk for? Forever. 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 There will never not be a this week in CM Punk. <laughs> this guy's not even on TV getting fired and he's still giving us this week in CM Punk because this week in CM Punk talks are being had between CM Punk and World Wrestling Entertainment. Yes, according to the wrestling journos of the world, they have said this and the internet has gone wild with it. Now, while speculation is a must, we must watch the product we must speculate wildly. We mustn't fantasy book Randy Orton. Three simple rules to abide by here at Not Sam Wrestling. And this one, this one kicks right in with speculate wildly. Now, this is all we got, right? In, in the Wrestling Observer newsletter, okay? Dave Meltzer stated that Punk intends to return to WWE and they are in talks. 
Despite this, Meltzer made clear the sources within WWE have told him no deal has been completed at this time, which is amazing because I'm sure a WWE source, if a deal had been completed, would tell Dave Meltzer, yeah, 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 no, we actually have a deal in place. No, why would, why would they waste that through ESPN? Why would they ever do anything like they did with Jade Cargill? No, they would just tell Dave Meltzer. Yeah, no, no, we did a deal. I forgot to, yeah, yeah, oh no, deal's done. <laughs> but there isn't, there wasn't a big wave of, no, this isn't happening coming after that statement, which is huge, which is huge. And it's also logical. It's very logical that this would happen. Um, you then had Nick Hausman follow up the report saying that he heard from a WWE source that a punk return at Survivor Series would be a safe bet. I mean, again, all you have to do is read it. I could tell you that. What do you mean a source at WWE? It could be the source at WWE might as well be Sam Roberts who has been on some pre-shows. If you just do math, and let's say he's got a three-month non-compete after his AEW firing. He got fired in August, September, October, November. Where is Survivor Series? Chicago, when? November. Safe bet it'll be in Survivor Series. That's literally all that went into that statement there. So the, I, again, wild speculation, and that's it. Let's not pretend it's anything besides that. Because a WWE source could be, you know, I know a lot of WWE sources. If they told me, hey, here's what's really going on, I'd be like, you don't know what you're talking about. You work there. You get a paycheck from there. I know you don't know what you're talking about. Have you ever Have you ever seen, this is, have you ever witnessed the way any company works? No matter what, what company do you work for? You know in the company that you work for, and maybe you are that guy, there are people that collect a paycheck from that company that have no idea how the company works. Why would they tell you? <laughs> All that said, this isn't to discredit those reports either because no big wave of this isn't happening has come out. It does all make sense. CM Punk did go to that Raw and was backstage a few months back before he returned to AEW saying hello to people. He was spotted in the parking lot. He's been posting comic book panels on his Instagram stories to try to get everybody all excited about it. I mean, it's all very, very possible. And if I were going to put money on it, I would put money on it, but I would have put money on it well before. The idea of CM Punk returning to WWE, to me, only makes sense. It's history repeating itself again and again and again, the same way that I just said, this faction warfare stuff with all the factions being intertwined is the same thing we're hearing about, wow, if CM Punk were to return, this was reported by Fightful. If CM Punk were to return, there are many top talent that are opposed to him returning, but it is a possibility. They're saying, well, he would have to apologize to certain talent, but it is a possibility. This is the exact same thing, word for word, bar for bar, that they said when Hall, Nash, and Hogan were returning to the WWE in the early 2000s. The WWE was doing really well, people were getting over, and the locker room was at a good place. They did not want Hall, Nash, and Hogan 
in that locker room disrupting things. However, the powers that be realized it would be good for business. Ultimately, the NWO was not good for business, not because they were disruptive in the locker room, but because if the NWO is here to take over things and they're booked to lose matches immediately, they're not even a minute threat to anything. It makes no sense. The reason the NWO got over in WCW is because they beat everybody. That was the secret to WCW's booking. How did they get the NWO over? They had to beat everybody. How'd they get Goldberg over? They hadn't beat everybody. How'd Sting get over? He beat everybody. Like that was like, that's the 101. That's the only story WCW ever told. How do you get this guy over? Well, I beat everybody. How else? We get to control who wins and loses. We just had this guy beat everybody. And then what happens after that? Why well, he keeps beating? What are you talking about? He beats everybody. <laughs> However, ultimately, it was great for business that they brought those guys back because of the Hogan run we got coming off of the NWO thing when they realized that the WWE audience was more excited about Hulk Hogan being back than they were about the fact that the NWO was in the WWE. They were like, oh, wait, we forgot. We made Hulkamania. And Hulk Hogan had his whole reunion run. It was incredible. He ended up being a world champion again. We got Hogan versus Undertaker. We got Hogan versus Hunter. We got Hogan versus Brock. Hogan versus Sean. Remember that? Sean jumping around like he was a rubber band. But it was great for it was great for business at the time. If you don't remember Hogan's uh uh nostalgia run, it was a great run and it was well worth doing. And it was good for Hogan too to remind everybody, "Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he rules." It's the exact same thing with CM Punk. The difference is and people go, well, CM Punk's not going to be able to pull the same thing he pulled in AEW. Well, yeah, but he's not coming for the same reasons. CM Punk went to AEW with the expressed desire to have an impact on the entire product. He wanted to make the product better. He wanted to make the young stars better. He wanted to make the locker room better. He wanted it to be his promotion. CM Punk is not returning to the WWE to make it his promotion. You think CM Punk thinks that the WWE needs him to save anything? No. No, CM Punk doesn't think that. If CM Punk returned to WWE, it would be to have some big, cool matches as a main event guy and to be out. That's it. That's what he's going for. Of course, everybody knows that. And I think it would be a valuable thing. CM Punk, I've said it a million times, should never have been wrestling every week on AEW, not just because he can't be in a locker room every week, because I don't know if he can or not. People say, oh yeah, because you know he's bad in a locker room. You've never been in a locker room at all, let alone a locker room with CM Punk. But I do think that in terms of, of fan perspective, having CM Punk matches be a special occasion, I think is exactly how you use CM Punk in this era of CM Punk. The idea of CM Punk coming back at Survivor Series the way Sting did and then finally wrestling a match at WrestleMania is big money. Do it. Do it now. It's easy. 
We and people are like, well, who do you want to see? A lot of people are posting graphics already, fantasy graphics. CM Punk versus The Rock, CM Punk versus John Cena, CM Punk versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. I don't think any of those matches are the way to go. Ultimately, it's a great spectacle, and you'll get eyes on WWE as a brand. But CM Punk versus any of those people, it's a big match on a show. You'll sell a lot of tickets. You'll sell a lot of pay-per-views. Maybe it will impact people on the undercard. But ultimately, Stone Cold Steve Austin is in the ring with a guy like Kevin Owens to number one, have a big match at WrestleMania. Number two, make Kevin Owens come across as an even bigger star. And number three, because Kevin Owens is one of the best in the world at this, is doing it day in and day out. And Stone Cold Steve Austin, after not wrestling for over a dec two decades or whatever it's been, can go in there with Kevin Owens and feel confident that no matter what happens, Kevin Owens is the one who's gonna make sure that it's a great match. And that's what happened. And look at where Kevin Owens has been since WrestleMania 38. It's been incredible. Who is that guy in CM Punk versus Stone Cold Steve Austin? That either one of them is putting the confidence in, that is getting over bigger after the match. Who's that guy in Punk versus The Rock? Who's that guy in Punk versus John Cena? Now, if you just want to do a fantasy match for the sake of doing a fantasy match, that's fine. But for the sake of making everything better for it happening, which should be why we're doing things, this is the, where you go. Three matches. I want to see three matches. I want There are three CM Punk matches that I want to see, and then my appetite will be satiated. I want to see CM Punk versus Roman Reigns. I want to see CM Punk versus Cody Rhodes. And I want to see CM Punk versus Seth Rollins. And after that, put him in the Hall of Fame, whatever you want to do. Have him come out here, have him come out there, sell some action figures, sell some t-shirts. Bob's your uncle. We're good to go. But those three are all money matches. And who knows? Depending on where LA Knight is, maybe a CM Punk LA Knight match is very, very beneficial for all parties involved. Maybe CM Punk versus Jey Uso. I'm not saying you can do three matches and that's all you can do. But right now, as we sit here speaking, those are the three matches that I want to see. Roman Reigns, because it's Roman Reigns. He's the top of the industry and he's beaten Brock Lesnar. He's beaten John Cena. Besides The Rock, what legend can come back to credibly challenge Roman Reigns that will make his legacy even larger? CM Punk would be that guy. CM Punk has history. CM Punk went on Colt Cabana's podcast after he left the WWE and did that whole thing. Make Roman look strong. Make Roman look strong. It's become a meme. Everybody's heard it. He said that he was when, when he was interacting with Roman Reigns, when Roman was a part of the Shield, they kept bothering him to make sure that Roman looked strong. Well, now CM Punk is back and he could say, nobody's there to make, make sure that I make you look strong. And Roman Reigns would say, don't worry, Phil. You're the one who's going to make me look strong. You've got that covered. Whether you want to or not, I'm going to look strong. Cody Rhodes. Because there's history there. Because Cody Rhodes' last AEW segment, which I asked him about when he was on this show, Cody, that is, was all about the fact that CM Punk gets all this credit for the pipe bomb. But at the end of the day... CM Punk talked about it and Cody lived it. 
CM Punk talked about all the things that he wanted to do and all the change that he wanted to make. Cody Rhodes didn't talk about it. Cody Rhodes did it. And that promo was never answered for because Cody Rhodes left AEW like two weeks after he cut that promo. Maybe it's time for CM Punk to come bring Cody a receipt for that last promo. And Seth Rollins, I mean, Seth Rollins has been fairly outspoken with his feelings of CM Punk. He called him a cancer in January. He said he didn't want him in the WWE locker room. He said, stay far, far away. Well, let's see what that history is all about. Let's have it play out in the ring. Those are the matches that I want to see with CM Punk coming back to WWE. Who knows? Maybe CM Punk will come back to WWE even sooner, specifically on NXT. The head-to-head war that we're about to experience between AEW and NXT is so absurd. This is why, and I know tribalism is fine. If you, that's... Toxic tribalism is a little much. When you believe in your core that one is better than the other, I hate this one, I love this one, if you feel slighted, personally slighted, if you feel like Edge did you a disservice or Jade Cargill did you a personal disservice, then you're probably in way too deep and you need to gain perspective. But if you are team this and that means you're not team that, that's fine. I have no problem with that. That's to be expected when there's competition. But realistically speaking, like if you're a football fan, 49ers and the Cowboys, they're both doing great this season. When they face off, you're rooting for one team over the other. But in your heart of hearts, you know that when both teams are good, it makes that game way better. 49ers and the Cowboys, they don't get along, right? But if one of them sucks and one of them's really good, I mean, it's always fun to watch a blowout. But it's not like, yeah, this is what it's all about. A blowout is not, yeah, this is what it's all about. When it's both great teams, that's when the victory is going to feel sweet. That's when it's like, you got to watch this game. That's what we've got with competition. That's what we've got with WWE and AEW both existing. And there's no better evidence. I mean, I thought it was great when we were just, I'm a big fan of talent going back and forth. I love the idea of Edge leaving WWE and going to AEW and people at the press conference asking Triple H, how'd you let Edge go? Triple H go, Edge decided to go. Edge telling his story. Jade Cargill leaving AEW, going to WWE. I love that. I love the idea that people are already pointing out, wait till Ricky Starks gets to WWE. I love the idea that, oh, FTR goes to AEW. Finally, they can shine. I love that because I love it for the product. I love it for the talent because if you love wrestling, you better love wrestlers. And the fact that there is competition means that, number one, there's more jobs for wrestlers. Number two, there's more opportunity for wrestlers. But number three, there's more money for wrestlers. Because a wrestler can say, I know what my worth is, if that is their worth. And they can go, if you don't give me this money, there's a guy in Florida that will. Or if you don't give me this money, there's a homie in Stanford that will. And now we're prospering. And as fans, 
the reason that we prosper is because none of these companies want to put on an L show. Nobody wants to take an L. We get too much birthday every single week. Why? Because there's competition. The reason that AEW sells out 80,000 people, puts on a show full of amazing matches, and then seven days later is on pay-per-view and has to put on a show full of amazing matches, they can't have a dud of a pay-per-view. So seven days later, we have another five-hour show full of amazing matches. Why? Because there's competition. Every time WWE's had a premium live event, it's gotta be a winner. It's gotta be something where everything progresses, there's news coming out of it, we can sit here for a half hour and break it all down. Why? Because there's competition. They need to keep having good shows. Even NXT is having bangers. Why? Because there's competition. And now, you wanna up the ante? AEW goes, well, we gotta have our show on Tuesday. I guess they're preempted on Wednesday. So they're like, Tuesday is when we can do our show. So we're gonna do title Tuesday. And NXT is like, what? You know, NXT is still salty, I'll bet. Because they moved to Tuesday, you know. NXT and AEW used to be head-to-head every week. But AEW would win in the ratings every time. They ended up moving NXT to Tuesday. They said it wasn't because of AEW. Who knows? But I would imagine there's still a little salt there. Still being a little salty. And they go, AEW is coming to Tuesday. That's our night. And NXT has been getting better. That's where it gets dangerous. NXT has been getting better in terms of quality. NXT has been getting better in terms of brand identity. They don't have so many ridiculous colors. NXT has been getting better in terms of the fact that when they started, they had a bunch of people on that show that had never worked on television before. A bunch of people on the show that had never even worked before. Now, all those people have been working this whole time and they've got cooperation from the main roster. And they've got great cohesive stories that are being told week after week. So they're doing much better in terms of quality and in terms of ratings numbers. So they're like, wait, 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 wait. You guys are coming in Tuesday. They're like, yeah, we're coming in Tuesday. Title Tuesday. We're going to have the titles on the line. And they go, okay, well, guess what? We got Dom Mysterio as our North American champion. And we got Becky Lynch as our NXT Women's Champion. So... I think in terms of titles, we should be good. Let's go, baby. The battle is on. And then Edge shows up. Adam Copeland shows up at the pay-per-view. And then the press conference, they announce Adam Copeland is going to be on AEW every week. And and Adam is going to have his first AEW match against Luchasaurus. When? Title Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday, October 10th, Adam Copeland's first AEW match in NXT goes, oh, really? Two days later, you turn on NXT, and they go, guess what? On that same Tuesday, October 10th, they got Edge versus Luchasaurus. We've got Roxanne Perez versus Asuka, and you go, okay, you're bringing Asuka in? All right, I see you. And they said, you didn't let us finish. I said, whoa. They said, we're also doing a rematch between Carmelo Hayes and Braun Breaker. And I go, okay, that's a big match. And they go, you didn't let us finish. 
in Carmelo Hayes' corner will be John Cena. And I'm like, what? You're bringing John Cena and Asuka to NXT to compete. You guys are on a different level. They go, you didn't let us finish. I go, all right, I'm sorry. Next week, Cody Rhodes has a big announcement to make on NXT. I go, you're bringing Cody Rhodes, John Cena, and Asuka to NXT to compete with AEW and, and Adam Copeland's first match in AEW. It's starting to feel like you're trying to run up the scoreboard. And they go, you didn't let us finish. I go, okay. At the end of the show, they go, guess who's going to be in Braun Breaker's corner? I go, I don't know, Robert Stone? They go, no, Paul Heyman. I go, the bloodlines wise man, Paul Heyman, the guy that people tune into Fox to see. SmackDown's Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman. Paulie Dangerously, Paul Heyman. On NXT, they go, yep. So we've got, aside from everybody who's already on NXT, Asuka wrestling, John Cena, Carmelo Hayes versus Braun Breaker, Cody Rhodes, and Paul Heyman. And I'm like, this is absurd. This is absurd. AEW goes, whew, okay. Well, we got good matches, you know. We've got Adam Copeland versus Luchasaurus. That's going to be a big deal. Daniel Bryan, uh, Brian Danielson versus Swerve, which tells you a couple things. Number one, a Brian Danielson match is going to be a banger. But number two, how much con how confident they are in Swerve. That's a big deal. We've got... Chris Jericho versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Hobbs joining the Callis family last week. Now he faces Chris Jericho. Big deal. Real good look for Hobbs. Chris Jericho match. That's a big deal. And they say we're going to do Phoenix versus John Moxley. Mox is coming back. He got injured in that max match with Phoenix. He lost the title. He gets the opportunity to get his uh, international title back. We can assume he'll win it back from Phoenix. So that's a big look. John Moxley winning a title on television. Okay, all right. So with all those matches, okay, now you are competing with Asuka and Braun Breaker and Carmelo and John Cena and Cody Rhodes and Paul Heyman and NXT goes, but you didn't let us finish. <laughs> I go, what? Wait till the end of the commercial, Sam. I go, okay, I'll wait till the end of the commercial. Gong! That's the Undertaker's music. <laughs> You're bringing the Undertaker to NXT? This isn't even fair anymore. The Undertaker, without being said, rumored to be coming to NXT, Cody Rhodes and Triple H, both at the Fastlane press conference, referenced the fact that there was some interesting music at the end of that NXT promo, basically saying, yeah, he's coming because there's no way. That it's a bait and switch in this era of WWE. I can't, I don't believe that that's true. I don't believe they would put that gong at the end of that promo and have The Undertaker not be there. I think The Undertaker is going to be on NXT. I think that this Tuesday, the Tuesday Night Wars, is going to be unbelievable. It's going to be incredible. I mean, if you're WWE, I mean, if you're NXT, I, you'd headline with Carmelo versus Braun Breaker, right? That's going to be your main event. Maybe you open with the Cody Rhodes announcement. Maybe you do Asuka. Asuka versus Roxanne Perez. Going from, you know, 9 p.m. Going into the 9 p.m. hour. Going from, you know, whatever, 8.50 to 9.10. 
and then you have The Undertaker somewhere in the second hour? I don't know, man. Because if you're AEW, I say Phoenix versus Mox is your opener, right? That's a safe bet. I think people are going to look at that and go, Mox is probably going to win the title. So you put Mox versus Phoenix as your opener because people are going to want to watch it because they're going to want to see John Moxley win a championship. And it's a good way to start a show. And then I think I think you end with Edge versus Luchasaurus. I'm sorry, Adam Copeland versus Luchasaurus. And then in the middle of that, and then, yeah, probably Brian versus Swerve is your going into the second hour match. That's probably how I would program those two shows. I think NXT is going to win in the ratings for a few reasons. Number one, that's not AEW's regular time slot. And number two, they've got Undertaker, Asuka, John Cena, Cody Rhodes, Paul Heyman, and everybody who's always on NXT. And who knows what else? You know damn well they've got surprises up their sleeve. You know damn well that they've been waiting for a long time to do this. They're going to send a message loud and clear. They're showing up to a knife fight with an atomic bomb. And they're going, never do this. This is what I believe WWE is doing. They're looking at AEW and going, don't ever do this again. Never go head to head with us. Now, it's a risk. It is a calculated risk. Because if AEW does win in the ratings, and these are great matches that they've got on the show, Adam Copeland wrestling for the first time in AEW is a big draw. Mox winning a title is a big draw. Are those things hot enough to compete with all that? It's tough. But if AEW were to win the ratings, because, I mean, AEW is in the better position here, right? Because if AEW loses then you can't say, like if AEW lost in the ratings under normal circumstance, you'd go, bro, you can't even beat their developmental. What do you mean? You can't say that now, right? Because, I mean, they've stacked this show like no show I've ever seen. There's more star power on this show than the average Raw or SmackDown. So AEW is fighting from a deficit and they're not on their regular night. But if AEW were to win, even my one ratings point, not even, I'm, I'm sorry, 0.01 of a ratings point, because one ratings point is a huge, a huge margin to win by. But if they have one viewer more than NXT, and it's after all that star power was added to NXT, there's going to be some splaining to do. Either way, as a fan, look at what we're getting. We're getting one night with Adam Copeland wrestling in AEW with Mox in a title match, with Brian Danielson versus Swerve. Hobbs finally getting his due. Jericho. Asuka and Roxanne Perez. Cena. Cody. Heyman. Taker. If it is not clear to you who the winner is when there's competition, I don't know what else to tell you. When promotions compete like this, there is one winner. Us. The fans. I can't wait for Tuesday. Uh, I did, before we get to emails, want to incorporate a new segment on the show. I talked about it last week when it was made official that John Cena and LA Knight versus uh, 
Jimmy Uso and Solo was going to uh, be on Fastlane. And I'm here to talk about it again. And now that I've talked about it two weeks in a row, it's a segment. This segment is called It's Not Just Wild Speculation. It's a spoiler because I've done it again. And it hasn't even been made to official. But once it is made official, I'm going to make that also. Uh, that's not just wild speculation. That's a spoiler segment on Not Sam Wrestling. SmackDown had a killer ending this week when it was uh, 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 John Cena, Jey Uso, and LA Knight staring down Jimmy Uso, Solo Sokoa, Damian Priest, Finn Balor, Dominic Mysterio, JD McDonough, and out comes Cody Rhodes. Or maybe it was LA Knight that came out, whoever it was. When I looked at that ring, this is the type of stuff I love. When I looked at that ring, and I saw on one side of the ring was all the big good guys and they were getting cheered. And on the other side of the ring was all the big bad guys and they're getting booed. And you have a whole bunch of bad guys and you have a whole gun bunch of good guys and they like the good guys and they hate the bad guys and the arenas are sold out. That's when I know things are really, really, really good. Things are very, very healthy and stories are being told properly. In the Attitude Era, Vince McMahon came out and he said, I think we're past uh, good guys and bad guys. We don't want to insult your intelligence. We see things in terms of shades of gray. After that moment, people started letting themselves off the hook when it comes to having good guys and bad guys. Shades of gray is fine. But it got to the point where everything was such shades of gray that the art of being a good guy and bad guy, the art of getting over as a good guy, the art of getting real heat as a bad guy, the art of doing good guy versus bad guy where people are cheering and booing the right people, all of that was drifting away. And all of that's essential to wrestling. Children and adults cheering for the same people, children and adults booing the same people. You can bring your kids to a wrestling show and you feel comfortable with what they're watching and you guys like and loathe the same people. It's the best way to go. And the reason why I say this is not just wild speculation, this is a spoiler, is because weeks and weeks and weeks ago, when I started talking about war games, I said my vision for war games is a team of super good guys versus a combination of the bloodline and the judgment day. It's not going to be the bloodline versus the judgment day. It's not going to be just the judgment day. It's not going to be just the bloodline because it doesn't make sense story-wise because last year at this time, the bloodline was a five-person extremely cohesive unit. It also doesn't really make sense for Roman Reigns to be on a team where he doesn't have control of every member. Roman Reigns being in war games last year, the reason it was so good was because Roman Reigns got to sit in a chair and assign people exactly what to do as they went to the ring and they all listened to their tribal chief. If you've got a combination of the bloodline and the judgment day together, the judgment day is not going to listen to the tribal chief the way the bloodline does. So it makes a lot more sense to have the bloodline and the judgment day combine forces without Roman Reigns in the match itself 
and have them take on a team of good guys. We've got enough good guys right now where we can do a War Games team and a title match, which is what I said weeks ago. If you watch SmackDown, it is screaming at you. War Games with the Bloodline and the Judgment Day versus a team of good guys and Roman having his own title match against someone else. Now, I don't know who will be the full villainous team of uh, uh, in war games. I don't think uh, I don't think uh, uh, Roman will be in the match, as I said. But I don't know if Solo will be in the match or not. If you on SmackDown, Paul Heyman held Solo by the wrist and pulled him down, left Jimmy in there. Jimmy is going to need to prove himself. Jimmy is going to get blamed for losing in this tag match against LA Knight and John Cena. I don't think John Cena will be in the War Games match either. But don't forget, AJ Styles has been out and could come back at any time. Um, so I think we're getting Jimmy Uso, Damian Priest, Finn Balor, Dirty Dom, and then either JD McDonough or Solo Sokoa. I could see Solo Sokoa being pulled out of that match being in Roman Reigns' corner for his title match and having Jimmy represent the bloodline by himself with the Judgment Day and going, okay, Jimmy, you have to win this on behalf of the of the bloodline. I think the good guy team is going to be, because in my mind now, I go, okay. We're getting LA Knight versus Roman Reigns at some point, clearly, right? Like, that has to happen. The next pay-per-view is November 4th, Crown Jewel. It's a month away. A lot can happen between now and then. Survivor Series about three weeks after that. I think we'll probably build two Roman Reigns matches going into that period of time. I think that one will have the accelerator pedal on and one will be in sort of, okay, this is brewing. That way, as soon as we get out of Crown Jewel, we know what we're going to do with Roman at Survivor Series. I think if it's up to me, and I'm not saying this one is wild speculation or spoiler. My wild speculation, but also a spoiler, is that Bloodline and Judgment Day teaming together in the War Games match. My big, and keep in mind, you know, Rhea had told Heyman to acknowledge her I think that this is the beginning of the bloodline relationship with the judgment day. I think the what what I would probably do is get another big match ready for LA Knight in uh in Saudi at Crown Jewel. So that LA Knight is undeniable coming out of Crown Jewel, a singles match, a big singles match for LA Knight where it's a huge moment. And then LA Knight, I would give him the Roman match at Survivor Series. I think at Crown Jewel, you can do AJ Styles versus Roman Reigns. I think that's already baked in. You don't have to do any legwork to make AJ Styles a credible opponent for Roman Reigns. I think AJ Styles versus Roman is your Crown Jewel match. And LA Knight versus Roman is your Survivor Series match. And you make people believe this is the beginning. This is how we start the road. You make, because I don't think anybody's going to believe that AJ Styles is going to beat Roman Reigns, whether you do it at Survivor Series or Crown Jewel. 
I do still think you should do it. I think that if you wait till Survivor Series, you can make people believe that LA Knight might actually beat Roman Reigns. You can at least create a scenario where LA Knight is the next in line, where it's like, it's Sami Zayn, it's Cody Rhodes, and then it's LA Knight of people that it's like, why didn't you just do it? To an extent, Jey Uso, but Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes are really the ones where it's like, come on, dude, and Drew McIntyre. I think you can add LA Knight to the mix if you wait until Survivor Series. And assuming Roman Reigns versus LA Knight is your Survivor Series main event, I think your babyface team at War Games is AJ Styles, Jey Uso, Cody Rhodes, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens. Because Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens have to get on the same page as Jey Uso and Cody Rhodes in order to team together. AJ Styles is still mad about whatever happened to Crown Jewel. Jimmy and Jay now get to touch and interact without actually having their match. And everybody's got problems with the Judgment Day. So it just all makes sense. And when I spell it out like that, it kind of makes me think that Triple H and Rob Fee are really getting a lot of ideas from here. Maybe it's happening, maybe it's not. But hey, it's my show. I can say whatever I want. You can also say whatever you want if you email in notsamwrestling at gmail.com, notsamwrestling at gmail.com. We got a ton of emails uh, this week, more than usual. So I'm actually this time uh, gonna start from, uh, from the bottom and slowly work my way up. I mean, we got a ton of emails that just came in as I'm recording. So um, what's the, okay, this one. I'm gonna start with an email that just came in as I'm recording because the subject is Taylor Swift. And I'm already annoyed. I'm already annoyed because that it was the most idiotic question at the whole press conference. If you're going to the press conference just to get yourself over, don't bother. Nobody asked about CM Punk at the whole press conference, but a guy said, hey, EO Shirai, do you wanna wrestle Taylor Swift? What are you talking about? What do you want to do? Just get picked up in dirt sheets? You just want to get yourself over? Oh, you hear that question about Taylor Swift? It was the dumbest question I've ever heard at a press conference. Like, when that guy said, hey, EO, do you want to wrestle Taylor Swift? I was like, you shouldn't do these anymore. That should be the end of press conferences altogether. Like, Triple H should go like, oh, this is stupid. I'm not doing, if you guys aren't going to take it seriously, I won't do it. What a waste of everyone's time that was. Can you imagine sitting there with a question, having your hand raised, they go to this guy and he goes, do you want to wrestle Taylor Swift? What are we doing? Idiotic. Uh, this is coming from John. Uh, been listening, uh, Jonathan, been listening to the show for about a year now and I really enjoy it. Thank you. Just watch Fastlane and notice the third reference to Taylor Swift. First one being from Kayla Braxton. Fine with that. Second from Wade Barrett. Third from press conference with EO Sky asking if she'd wrestle Taylor Swift. What's up with the Taylor Swift references and how do you feel about having Taylor Swift in the WWE? I think they're stupid. I think they're so annoying, okay? Look, I get it. I don't mind Kayla bringing it up. I'm, f I, I'm fine with Wade bringing it up because Wade and Booker T, neither one of them can do any wrong in my opinion. So really like... Wade Barrett and Booker T could literally bring up anything and I'd be okay with it because I love those two men. I'm gonna just say, 
I've worked with both of them. And they're just two of the greatest human beings alive, okay? I'll just say that. But anybody else, and I love Peter Rosenberg too, and I would have been annoyed if he had done it because he's not Wade Barrett or Booker T, but he didn't do it because he's he knows what he's doing up there. He's designed to have a microphone in front of his face. That guy at the press conference ain't built for it. <laughs> so look, I, I think the reason everybody's bringing it up is because it's clicks, right? The same reason why the NFL put Taylor Swift over every single thing that they did. They added her to her Twitter profile. It's annoying at this point. It's been a week of it. It's because anytime you bring up Taylor Swift or can somehow work her into your thing, people pay attention to it because she's the topic du jour. You have to know like the most minimal amount about pop culture. And it's still the reference of like, oh yeah, look, here's a pop culture reference. Oh, you know about Taylor Swift? Oh, wow, how'd you find out about that? It's stupid. And honestly, I wish you hadn't emailed in because references to that singer, and God bless her, I listen to her music. They have no place on this podcast. I take pride in the fact that this is a wrestling podcast. I don't sit here and go, well, it's a wrestling podcast, but we talk about everything. We don't talk about everything. We only talk about wrestling. If you want to listen to a podcast that talks about wrestling and then also whatever else is on our mind, do it. We'll never do it here. This podcast is only about wrestling. And as far as I'm concerned, Taylor Swift doesn't exist within the confines of Not Sam Wrestling. Why? Because she's not in any wrestling promotion. If she's wrestling at WrestleMania, we'll have an opinion about her. But I do a lot of other shows where we talk about Taylor Swift. It's enough. She has no place here. Michael writes in, in the mind of the great Sam Roberts, I can I can speak for that, which AEW talent would be best suited for WWE and why is it Will Hobbs? Will Hobbs, Ricky Starks, ironically, well, I don't know. Ricky Starks, Will Hobbs for sure. Swerve, I feel like AEW is the place for Swerve to become undeniable and then come back to WWE. Wardlow, I would say Wardlow and Hobbs, both. And it's not just because they're big. Although Wardlow being the one big guy, I mean, Hobbs is the giveaway. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with you, Michael. It's Hobbs. Hobbs is like my guy. If I could have one draft pick from AEW, it would have been Jade Cargill. Now it's Will Hobbs. Yeah, it's Hobbs. I don't even need to go deeper. I wanted to go deeper because you said uh, Hobbs. Uh, Kyle, if you could make an ultimate edition figure of any WWE superstar, who would it be? And what attire I go with Gunther, thanks. Mm, I like detail in my ultimates. Uh, you know what? I'd love an ultimate nails with a soft goods jumpsuit. That's what I would love. Ultimate nails. One facial scan has the spit all over his mouth. Ultimate nails would be my pick. I'm trying to get through emails quick because I spent so much time on the last one. Adam says it's 11.14 p.m. on a Sunday. Why am I, why? Uh, it's too long. Sorry, Adam. Uh, nope, another one from Adam. You're not getting in here. Joe First-time emailer, put on your thinking cap. Okay, I like a first-time emailer, Joe. Joe, I always enjoy your content. Thank you. Without dismissing the following idea, explain in your opinion why Roman versus Rock with Roman going over at WrestleMania would make more business sense than Roman versus Cody with Cody winning. Cody would could win at SummerSlam. I don't even think I don't think the event matters as much as winning the title itself. Because if Roman goes over the if it's Roman versus Rock at WrestleMania, you have more eyes on it. Period. The Rock is the biggest star in Hollywood. 
If he is wrestling in the main event of WrestleMania, it is a match that wrestling fans watch because The Rock is one of the biggest wrestling stars of all time. It is a match that people outside of wrestling watch. It is a stadium match. Not that Cody Rhodes versus Roman isn't, but to us inside the wrestling bubble that watch WWE every single week that watch the product, of course, Cody versus Roman would be awesome. Cody winning would be awesome. But the idea that you don't understand why Rock versus Roman with Roman winning wouldn't be massive is bonkers to me. And the reason it makes sense for business is because it would make Roman that much bigger. Roman beating The Rock makes Roman bigger. There aren't that many guys that Roman could beat now that would make him even bigger. Roman beating AJ Styles doesn't, it, it, it keeps Roman big. Roman beating LA Knight keeps Roman big. Roman beating The Rock makes Roman even bigger. It grows the legend of Roman Reigns. And if you look at WrestleMania, stacking Daniel Bryan and Edge on top of each other made Roman bigger. Beating Brock Lesnar made and combining the titles made Roman bigger. Beating Cody Rhodes when he was the babyface that was clearly going to win made Roman bigger. Roman beating The Rock makes Roman bigger, period. To say that you don't understand that is, I think, a bad faith argument. I'm not saying I don't want Cody to win. Cody can win at WrestleMania. Cody can win at SummerSlam, whatever. I mean, we can talk about that after. But there is no bigger match in wrestling than Roman Reigns versus The Rock. There just isn't. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's get to the emails is what Lindsay says. So he'll turn for McIntyre is so needed right now. Would love for him to pull back the curtain and discuss how he was let go and fighting for himself. No ally. Well, he did that a little bit as a baby face. Uh, I'm going to get to the next one. Uh, Chris uh, writes in, Sam, love the show, and you are the reason I've watched all the products. Pay me, Hunter. <laughs> Pay me, Ari Emanuel. For that, I acknowledge you as the greatest wrestling podcaster. I would agree that I'm the greatest wrestling podcaster. I think that that's true. Question, why are WWE stars taking titles on the NXT show? Meaning, why is Becky holding an NXT title? Why did Dirty Dom have a title? Doesn't this take opportunity away from up-and-comers? No. Uh, the reason that is is because now you can do a match like Trick versus Dirty Dom. Now you can go to a pay-per-view and main event with Becky Lynch versus Tiffany, which is Tiffany Stratton. This is what I'm trying to say. This is why, you, how is Roman versus Cody uh, 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 not as big as Roman versus Rock? Because Rock is bigger than every WWE superstar. He just is. Just like Becky Lynch is bigger than every NXT superstar. She just is. And because of that, Tiffany Stratton versus Becky Lynch is the biggest match that Tiffany Stratton could possibly have. There's nobody on the NXT roster that Tiffany could main event with that would be a bigger deal than Tiffany versus Becky Lynch. There is no bigger North American championship match that Carmelo, I'm sorry, that Trick Williams could have aside from with Dominic Mysterio. Just them having those matches. Now, the fact that Trick won is even a bigger deal. Trick can now say that he beat Dominic Mysterio. It's the idea that it takes opportunity away. No, 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 no. It gives them opportunity. Uh, Spencer writes in, huge fan, love the podcast. I get that, and I appreciate it. When I was a child, my aunt got me into watching wrestling. One of the things that got me hooked was the awesome, unique stage designs of the early 2000s. What's your... Okay, he stopped himself. What's your Mount Rushmore of state? No, just kidding. Good. I'm not doing Mount Rushmore's in the emails, and you know that, Spencer, and I appreciate you for that. I would love to know your thoughts and if they should come back or if you feel the simpler screen tunnel combo. I love the custom uh, 
the custom sets. I really do. I'm a huge fan of them. I do think that in the modern era that using uh using using physical sets would be akin to when movies use practical effects. Like there's something warm, fuzzy and nostalgic about it, but it does feel the tangibility almost feels like it's from a bygone era. You know, it'd be hard to design a physical set that is as impressive as just massive HD screens. So ultimately, I think it is what it is. Technology changes. I love those old school sets, but you can't make those physical sets look more modern. I mean, you can do what you did at WrestleMania and use screens to create this amazing set, but you need a stadium for that, right? Like there's not a lot you can do in an arena that doesn't cost millions of dollars that would be more impressive than the video screens that they have. Kyle writes in, Sam Haps. I was pleasantly surprised that Jade got to keep her name. Well, I'm I don't know why you'd be surprised by that. That's not a surprise at all to me, especially after we saw Cody come out as the American Nightmare. I mean, Jade Cargill has built brand equity in that name. It's not You're not just taking a, a body that has skill and redesigning her. You're purchasing the package that Jade has built. And changing her name would alter that package and thus make it less valuable. Um, that said, I wouldn't put it past WWE to put some kind of extra branding on her name. I said that. I said that last week, dude. I'm not even going to answer this email because you go, hey, what do you think? I've already talked about that on a previous podcast. It wasn't even this week. I said that. She, she, she'll probably have a nickname, and that's fine. I'm not going to talk about the same thing again because you are pretending it was your thought when I said it. Uh, Lupe writes in, do you think we'll get a physical WWE Hall of Fame for fans within the next 10 years? Uh, I would hope so. I know that's always been something WWE wanted to do. It's just an issue of economics. Where do you put it? How do you guarantee, right? I mean, they had WWE New York. They had a restaurant and it was in the middle of Times Square and just eventually economically didn't make sense. So, you know, you've got to have, if you're going to build a physical attraction, it's got to be something that people are going to in big numbers every day, forever, for years and years and years. So, you know, I don't know. I would love to go, but are you going to go? Are you going to bring your family? Are you going to keep going? I would imagine if we ever got one, it would be a good opportunity for WWE to do legend, WWE legends to do appearances all throughout the year. Yeah, but you got to have more than that, you know? At Disney World, Mickey Mouse does appearances, but there's also a ton of stuff to do besides the appearances. Um, Rob says, after they likely turn Carmelo heel again to few a trick, what do you think about giving him a true heavy to make up for his lack of size once he gets to the main roster? Like, um, I, I don't know. I think giving Carmelo gets over on his ability, and I think giving Carmelo a heavy takes away from the fact that he's a, like, Carmelo's not a weaselly heel. He's a different type of heel, so I, I probably wouldn't support that. Uh, especially because he is small, smaller than a lot of guys, so that would only accentuate the negative. Uh, Matt says, I agree with your assessment that No Mercy was the best NXT premium live event all year so far. I said in for in years, more than that. Uh, my question is, where do you feel that Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez could fit into the current NXT? Well, I mean, I think part of, of of NXT right now is that just because you're the best doesn't mean you're in the main event all the time because you can't keep the best in the main event all the time because you never know when they're going to get called up. 
So I, I think that treading water in NXT is kind of par for the course and kind of something that has to happen. You know, like I think, yeah, it's good to have a title run, but like Braun Breaker, for example, since losing the title, I mean, the heel run is cool, but but he's not working main events anymore, nor should he, because at some point, and who knows when, he'll be called up. So I think that that's just part of it. Uh, William says, uh, I'll never not start an email by thanking you for this podcast. It's incredible. I appreciate you, man. I really do appreciate that. My wife, Katz, and myself are rewatching the entirety of the Attitude Era. The rewatch has me thinking. Since it's spooky season, I was curious what your top five... I don't like top five. That's a way of sneaking in a Mount Rushmore in terms of Halloween spooky episodes of Raw, Nitro. I don't know, dude. That's a ridiculous question. You're rewatching it, okay? I can't just be like, oh, Halloween 1998 was a great... I'm not thinking in those terms. I mean, probably the Halloween episode where John Cena dressed up as Vanilla Ice is the most important one because it gave us the Doctor of Thugonomics eventually. Rob writes in, the future of Jey Uso. What do you think about Jey Uso being the number one entrant in the Royal Rumble, lasting all the way to the final four with the crowd being fully behind him just for Jimmy Uso to come back and cost him the match? Yeah, I mean, we'll see if we're there. If people actually want him to win the Royal Rumble, if they don't think he's really going to win the Royal Rumble, then I don't think that makes any sense. You know, I mean, yeah. It may, oh, now we got to see Jey versus Jimmy. We already have to see that. And if you don't realistically think that it's Jay's time to go to the main event of WrestleMania and win it, then that finish does not have the impact that you think it does. Uh, question for the pod. What current, this is from Brandon. Brendan, sorry, Brendan. What current talents Hall of Fame speech are you looking forward to the most? For me, it's The Miz. Uh, current talent that I think they're Hall of Fame's, uh, Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch. So I think she's hilarious. Uh, I, I, yeah, Becky Lynch, I think will be great. I'm going to do one more. I'm going to do one more. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm going to go. Okay. Matt. I'm going to go back towards the top. Now, there's a ton in the middle that I didn't get to, and I'm sorry. Uh, if you really think they're worth asking, and I didn't answer them, keep writing them in. At some point, I'll get to them. Uh, Matt says, loved Cody and Jay. Uh having fun at the post fast lane press conference. But overall, I think that uh, PLE press conferences in general could use a shot in the arm, particularly one on the journalist side. We're on the same page, buddy. Uh, let's say management offered you the reins to run all premium live event press conferences as you see fit. Which wrestling journalists, commentators, content creators would you want to bring on board to add a little spice? Oh, I am being an entitled millennial who should just be happy with the way things are. Oh, or am I be? No, okay. No, I think that's a fun question. Um, let's see. I think, like, I honest, I think I put Brian Alvarez in there. I put Wade Keller in there. It's like, you want to have people asking questions that are not like, fans just happy to be there but are also not just like troublemakers just asking questions for trouble's sake right so i think brian alvarez i think wade keller i would I, I think busted open needs some representation in there so whoever it is lagreca um <laughs> and jim Cornette. 
Jim Cornette. Oh, if I could get Jim Cornette in those premium live event press conferences. There's your answer, Matt. Jim Cornette is who I would put in the premium live event press conference. If I could send a representative for myself just because I wanted to see how it went. Jim Cornette should be in the press conferences. Yes, he wouldn't ask anything about Taylor Swift. Jim Cornette is the answer to that question. All those names, I mean, yeah, probably Brian Alvarez, Wade Keller, and Jim Cornette would be my top three. That is how you get an entertaining press conference, and that is how you get some good questions asked. You guys ask some good questions in the email. Keep them coming. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple, make sure you're subscribed and you leave a rating and a review. If you're listening on Spotify, make sure you're subscribed and you leave a rating. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the channel here, Not Sam Wrestling. Make sure you hit like on this video. Leave something in the comments, and we will be back uh, next week. We'll also absolutely have a bonus episode this week at some point. Uh, uh, definitely we'll have an interview episode. We may also have a Tuesday night war related episode. Uh, a lot to be excited about. A lot's coming. I appreciate you guys. And I'll see you, uh, before next week on the not Sam wrestling YouTube channel very, very soon. Thanks a lot.